So he was like, you showed a loss for, for two years. If you do a third in a row, you aren't a business anymore. Your, your business is considered a hobby. And I was like, a hobby? What do you mean? He's like, because you're not making any money. It's just something that you like to do. And I was like, oh, okay. So what do I have to do? He's like, you have to make money. Welcome to the Business Muscle Podcast, where we empower entrepreneurs to transform their businesses into unstoppable empires. I'm Elise, CPA turned serial entrepreneur. And I'm Arielle, a seasoned physical therapist and business owner. We're two female entrepreneurs with a passion for helping small business owners like you achieve massive success. With our combined expertise, we've scaled to an impressive seven businesses in less than seven years. And guess what? Each of them was profitable right from the start. But we didn't stop there. We're here to share our secrets, strategies, and insider tips to help you turn your business into a thriving reality. And hey, we're not just all about business. As a physical therapist and fitness instructor, we'll also sprinkle in some fitness and wellness tips along the way. Join us on the Business Muscle Podcast every Monday as we guide you step-by-step towards financial freedom and building the business of your dreams. It's time to level up your business. Get ready to flex your business muscle. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Muscle Podcast. Today, we welcome Antea Amoroso to the podcast. Antea is the founder of Antea Amoroso Designs. She launched her business in 2011 after designing multiple handmade pieces of decor and signage for her own wedding. Her passion quickly turned into a signage rental business and grew to become one of the top vendors at the most popular wedding venues throughout New England. Once COVID happened in 2020, she needed to pivot and her sweet little boutique quickly expanded into an online presence. She began designing apparel, accessories, and so much more. Antea is well known in this area for her amazing energy and genuine nature and people have taken notice with over 25,000 followers on Instagram. Antea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you started your design business. Um, I started out doing signage rentals for weddings. So I, I kind of came up with the idea. I was working at my friend's flower shop in Reading and she was renting out vases to a lot of the brides. And I'm like, why would you rent out a vase? And she's like, well, they don't want to keep it after. What are they going to do with it? So then I was like, well, I wonder if they would do the same thing with signage. And it kind of just took off. It I started out just like marketing to brides in her shop and then kind of going after like venues themselves and convincing them like this is a service you need. This could be a real thing. Because at first they were used to dealing with calligraphers who just did like you know, writing on the tags and not renting out a mirror. Um, And so it took off and it went from, I think, like 10 weddings my first year to 80 the next and grew and grew. And then COVID hit and I had, I think that was going to be my biggest year of 200 weddings. And then they all canceled at the same time. And I was like, oh crap, what do I do? (laughs) Now what do I do? Because you know, it's like that money isn't really there. It's in the business working. So you can't just pull out give 200 people their money back. You're like, I got to come up with funds. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. And we're going to get there, but we're going to rewind a little bit. So whenever I talk to people, I'm always like the industries to get in weddings, babies, pets, mm-hmm. the people that don't make logical decisions. They're just like, I just need to, Yeah. I just want this awesome wedding. Yes. I'm Surprise. one of those people. Look at Mason's closet. He has everything like yeah. for your kid. You're just going to, I sign him up for every event. I get all the clothes, all the toys that people say that he should have. And so weddings was brilliant. And you kind of did it before anybody else. Was anybody else a competitor with you at the time when you started renting out your signs? Even when I went on like the Knot and Wedding Wire, they were like, we don't know what um, category to put you in because they had me in rentals. But I'm up against like Peak, who's renting out tablecloths and like furniture. And I'm like, well, that's not really what I am. 
So they're like, oh, we'll put you in as a calligrapher. But then people didn't, they wouldn't understand what my job was, like what I, what service I provided. So there really wasn't, I didn't see anyone else doing it at the time, even in like California, like other places where like the trends come from. I just kind of came up with the idea, like I said, in my friend's flower shop. Yeah. So you were paving your own path. You yeah. were the first one that did this. Yeah. Did you have a website at the time or how were you having people actually book through you? Uh, word of mouth. Like that was it at first. And then I did eventually do a website, I think. Um, and then when the, the flower shop next door, it opened up the space. So she was like, let's go in together and make it the wedding shop. And I rented space from her in there. And that's where I would do all of my meetings and create out of. Um, so that was probably 2000, around 2015, 16. Um, oh no, I lied. It was 2014. It was the year Dom was born. So I was pregnant and opening up the shop at the same time like an idiot. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. We've been there. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. But you made it happen and yeah. it's genius. I'm planning for my own wedding in April right now. And I'm like, this is the best idea mm -hmm. to rent these things that you don't want to keep afterwards. Yeah. So what are the logistics look like? Did you meet with everyone one-on-one, -on -one, especially when it was growing so rapidly yeah. did you have everyone come in for personalized meetings they get to pick what they wanted yep. like what does that what did that look like yeah everybody came in um lots of emailing lots of talking on the phone like i stupidly gave out my cell phone number and if anytime anybody had a question mm -hmm. they could just text me which is like i shouldn't have done that because that's like my personal time to not be working like why is somebody making me available at that very moment but um yeah a lot of going back and forth uh especially when it wasn't something that I had physically in the store and I had to come up with it and kind of just convince them like of this cool idea that I had. Uh, so it was a lot of talking with the brides, the bride's parents, everybody that was involved in it. Um, and then the final outcome, usually I started working with them from like a year out up into like the day of. And then you were going and hand-delivering them, yes. right? With your yep. husband, like the whole family's oh, involved. Yeah. Dom's <laughs> like in a car seat taking a nap and I'm running signs into a wedding venue. <laughs> Bringing these giant mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> but weddings are on the weekends though, for the right. most part. So that means like your weekends were... Oh, they were tied up. Yeah. And it was easy when they were babies because they didn't really have that much going on. But at the same time as that COVID hit, Livy's a competitive dancer. So I'd be having to leave her competition, go deliver a wedding or pick it up. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm missing out on my kids stuff just to make somebody's like best day ever happen. But, um, I started like resenting it because I was like, this isn't fair. Like I want to be here, but I have to be here. And like, I couldn't find that balance. Even if I was to allow someone else to deliver it and pick it up for me, it, I was still thinking about it. I'm like, okay, did it make it there safe? And is, was she happy and was it placed the way that I would have done it? So it, it, I couldn't find that balance in between. So that's when COVID hit and it kind of forced me to slow down is when I realized like, I actually don't want to do this anymore. When you first started, how did you come up with your pricing? Because that's like very tough for a lot of business owners and even people that yeah. have been in the business for a while is to actually value yourself correctly, not discount it. Yep. And charge what you're worth. So how did you do that as somebody just starting creating your own category, yeah. not really having anybody to look to for pricing? What was that like? I like completely undercharged. Like I think for what I would charge now to write on a seating chart is around $1,000. I was charging 100 And I'm like, oh what? And so my accountant, um, my dad's best friend was like, what would you, what if something happened to you and you weren't able to do this? Like what would you have to pay somebody else to do the work for you and still make money? And I'm like, oh God. 
like a lot more. And he's like, well, then that's what you should be charging. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. He's like, you can't. I'm like, but it's just, it only takes me this long. It's so quick. And he's like, but that's your time. And you, you've learned how to get to this point. So people need to value that and pay for it. Yeah. It's your time every weekend Mm -hmm. being there, the stress of them contacting you on your personal cell phone, going back and forth. And like you had a skill, like your stuff is beautiful. You have to value that. And I know it's tough at the beginning, but yeah, hundred dollars. You yeah. should have bought your sign a couple of years ago. I missed out. <laughs> I, and, and at that time, it was taking me probably six to eight to, or ten hours to do one seating chart. So I'm like, what? What was I thinking? Now I can do it in 45 minutes if, if it was like, say, it broke and I had to redo it really quickly. Like I have it down to a science. But I'm like, back then is when I should have been charging way more. So were you selling anything at the time or just doing rentals back just then? Just doing rentals. Gotcha. Yeah. And then when did you get the space? Because your garage is beautiful. Yeah. When did you do that over? Um, that was in 2018 that we opened that up because I was, it was always had my stuff in it and I would just be there working because at, at, around then Dom was like two and he was really, it was, he was too wild to be put in like a small shop and not break stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to do everything from home and then I'll bring it to the shop and meet them there to have them pick it up and everything. And Dave's like, that's such a pain. Like, why aren't you just having people come here? I'm like, well, it's my house. Like, that's weird. And he was like, just make the garage your studio. Like, this would be so much easier. And then I kind of got over the fact of like, I don't know why I thought people would think it'd be weird to come to my house. But now that's like the biggest draw is people like, I want to come in. I want to see what it's like in there. So, yeah. yeah. We've talked to other business owners who started the same way where it was just like in their shed or like yeah. in their garage and it's genius because then it's there, like no commute time, which yeah. is amazing. Yep. What kind of um, like inventory did you keep? Like, how did you keep track of that in the um, beginning? It was hard. Like that was a big thing. It's like sometimes I'd be renting out a mirror. It would be coming back to me on Sunday, but then it would be having to go out on Wednesday for another wedding. So it was like, pray that it didn't break. Nothing bad happened to it get it back, flip it over, push it out for the next weekend. Um, it was, everything was basically in my garage, just like lined up against the walls. So it was a lot of mirrors. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> did you have people give you a deposit or something in case yeah. something happened during the wedding? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm too nice and I think I'd never have charged anyone for something if it broke. I'm like, it's okay. It was fine. I'll just get a new one. You're too understanding. Like, <laughs> yeah. But that's also why everybody loves you and you're like so warm. And that's why you probably have the following that you do because yeah. people are like, this girl's amazing. Yeah. But then your to husband's probably like, <laughs> you need to charge people for broken mirrors, yes. lady. Yep. Yeah. And then were you ever on Etsy? I did Etsy before I did weddings. I was making like little signs and like you know, when like those burlap draft letters were in, mm-hmm. I was making those and selling them there. Um, but the wedding part I never did on Etsy because my biggest thing with there was that even when I buy from Etsy, if somebody's like, oh, where did you get that? I'm like, oh, I got it on Etsy. I'm not like I got it from Intea on Etsy. So I feel like there's no brand recognition when you use their platform. So that's why I kind of pulled back from it. You don't get that like marketing and, you know, their customers to see your stuff. But at the same time, like if somebody wants something from me, they're going to find my website. Gotcha. That's what I was going to ask you is like, is there, what's the bad, like the good, bad, the ugly of Etsy? Yeah. Because I've bought a ton of stuff on Etsy, but like, like you said, I never think about the shop that I got it from. I just search, but I see that people will sell like thousands of things on there. Like, so I was always wondering, is it good for people that are starting out? Should you, would you ever suggest to be on Etsy or are you like, no, 
I want, I, I think it is good for people starting out because you're never going to, no one's going to find your website until they know who you are. So it's a good way. But then at the same time, you're, you're kind of put on this platform and you're up against all these other people with all different prices. And for me, sometimes people just shop by what the best price is. So then I didn't like that part of it. Do you think that they were helpful for small businesses? Yeah. Yeah. I think because it, it's a really easy to to get your shop up and running. And they kind of give you all the tips and tricks, how to take a picture, how to upload, how to price. And um, I think they take care of the shipping charges too, which is huge. Having to work that into pricing is a pain. Um, but I, I use Shopify now and I love it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you had a little bit going on Etsy and then you're doing all of these weddings that was mostly organic. Did you have to go mm-hmm. to like bridal expos? Like what yeah. other ways did you spread the word? You did a lot of events and yeah. those types of things. I did a lot of reaching out to the venues themselves because I feel like when people are getting married, they find their venue and then they trust who they're working with the most. So I did a lot of like, maybe I could just offer this seating chart to one of your brides for free to try and get myself in there. Um, or even if I was going to a venue for the first time and delivering, like I made sure to be like as nice as possible and like just put on a show and <laughs> try to convince them like hire me, like tell, put me on your list. Cause at the time there probably wasn't anyone on their list like that. So it was an easy way to get in. Yeah. It was so unique and just talking to as many yeah. different people. A lot as of schmoozing. Right. Yeah. All right. So then, you know, you had this business, you're absolutely crushing it. You had so many orders coming in. Mm-hmm. You had scheduled 200 weddings for 2020. Yeah. So what was going through your mind when we started hearing little tricklings of COVID happening and oh weddings being God. canceled? Like, what was that? Like I was panicking because I'm like, there's no way that there's going to be weddings happening. Like from what I was hearing, like from venues and stuff, they were like, there's not going to be weddings happening until 2022. And I'm like, what? How like there's no way like two years and like it really was true like the weddings that I was doing during those two years were like the smaller more intimate or like backyard ones but the 200 plus people weddings they were like don't don't even plan until like two years from now and I was like oh my god that's a long time (laughs) but it seems like you use that time to figure out some different ways that you could go with your business and like kind of stepping back on some of the things that you were starting to resent, like having to show up every weekend for things. So I'm sure there were some positives like in, in that time period too. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean like to not have, I wasn't having any work to do. That's how I kind of came up with the, the lettering for love when I wrote on all the windows because I was like, I still miss like doing the creative part and writing on things for people. Like I, my favorite part about the weddings wasn't, um, was more so like their face when they saw it, like, oh my God, you brought this vision to life. So then I was like, well, let me go out and write on windows for people and put a smile on someone's face. Um, and that whole project brought me so much happiness, but then people were like, how do we support you? And I'm like, well, cause I didn't really have any retail at the time. That's how then I came up with like the sweatshirt and it forced me to make a website with a shopping platform where before my website was just like more of a portfolio. Here's my work and here's what I can do for you, which kind of like brought me into the retail side. I think the lettering for love was such a brilliant idea. You were on the news for that. You were everywhere. I feel like that's the first time I heard about you because like everybody had it. Yeah. It was just such a like a genuine like you weren't expecting anything back type of idea. And that's like what draws people in. They're like, wow, this girl is amazing. Yeah. 
And then that's probably when you started to get even more of a following because people are like, who is this girl? Yeah. And what is she doing? But what then they want to support you. <laughs> no, but I thought it was amazing because you were literally everywhere. Yeah. During COVID at that time. And during COVID, it was tough for all small businesses. Brutal. But at the same time, yeah. it forced people to grow. Yep. Like for Sweat Fix, it forced us to learn how to do virtual workouts and you just had to be creative and you had to innovate. Mm -hmm. And this forced you to kind of take your business and transform it. Yep. So you might have never went in this direction if this didn't happen. Right. And you still might be going to those weekend weddings and lugging <laughs> things around. What were some of the key things like when that happened that you were like, this is what I have to do? Like when you had to decide to in innovate? Um, it was basically my kids that they were like, hey, mom, we love when you don't do weddings and you're here on the weekends with us. And I'm like, shit. Like, I didn't think that they noticed because they were so little and they were like, no, like you're more happy and like you get to come to stuff with us and we get to go to the Cape and like, we love this. And I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> that was enough for me. That's it. So yeah. then you decided to make your online store. Yeah. How did you decide what you were going to put on the store when you first started? Um, For the, so for, I think, what did I do during when COVID like first hit? I had an event where like right before where people came in and I was like, I have this cool idea if people come in and I have blank items in the, in the garage and then I can write on it for them like in front of them like live. And um, Dave was like, yeah, try it out. So it was – I think it was like Super Bowl Sundays when I did it. And then when COVID hit like March. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So I had all this leftover inventory and I did an Instagram live and I was like, hey, if you want something, I'll write on it. And I'll ship it out to you. And that kind of like pushed me in the retail direction because Dave's like, sell whatever's in here. Like make whatever you can. And um, a lot of people bought stuff. So then it kind of forced me to, okay, what blank products can I find during COVID, which was kind of hard because I had to rely on Amazon basically um, to just kind of have on hand, write on it and then sell it. Um, and that kind of pushed me in the, the retail direction that I did. And now how do you decide like your inventory levels and like what you're going to sell? Do you do it like seasonally? Do you do it by yeah. the quarter? How do you guys decide? I was basically for the longer, like the past two years doing it seasonally and just kind of finding like for Valentine's Day, like kind of hitting those little places, like areas of the like market where people need something personalized and written on. And, um, and now I've kind of shifted my ways back to my original plan, which was more so focus on the lettering part of it and not really focus on products because it is very expensive to buy things in and hold on to that inventory for a long time and stock it and resell, where now I'm kind of um, focusing on like more so the service of lettering and engraving and going out different places that have the inventory and using theirs and then just kind of providing my service. Just going to take a quick break from this episode to remind you about our one hour long brainstorming sessions. We love chatting about all things business and would love to help you deep dive into the challenges you're facing and give you fresh ideas in order to reach your goals. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for years, we'd love to brainstorm with you. Head to businessmusclepodcast.com to book. So you have your beautiful garage setting. Is this something where you ever had clients come in and look at what you had to offer to and they could, you could teach them how to design, right? You do like yeah, uh, workshops. Yeah, I did a lot of workshops. Some of the lettering, and I would teach people hand lettering. And then I have the DIY classes. Uh, those were kind of things that have always been in my business since the beginning. I 
used the classes like the where I would kind of show people how to make their own sign. I would do that during my slow periods where I had no weddings as like an extra boost. Um, same for like the, I used to call it BYOB, but the live lettering days. Mm-hmm. I came up with that back in, I think, 2015 um, because people were reaching out to me and being like, hey, can you write on this for me? I have my own thing. I don't need what you have. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So I would use that as filler um, during the slow periods of like around Christmas, like the winter months where I wasn't having a lot of weddings to deliver. Um, I think it's such a great idea. I'm like, how can we go and bring our team there? Like, what could we? I know. I know. I have so many things I would love to have things written on. How often do you still do those type of events and workshops? Is that something you're really pushing for this year or now? Or is that something you kind of taking a step Um, back from? I usually do them a lot. I would say maybe like once a month. I haven't um, the past couple months because I was just so busy with pop-ups and everything going on. Uh, But I do plan to bring them back. I just have to sit down and like do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that you came up with all these different ideas. Yeah. You, know, you had been in business for so long before COVID even happened. So I'm sure you were just like operating yeah. like a well-oiled machine and then you had to completely pivot. So yes. how long do you feel like it took until you felt like you were back on your feet after COVID happened? Like someone else who's going through this type of loss or like downward spiral in their business? Yeah. Um, I would say probably like a solid year. Because I was doing the Lettering for Love project probably through most of the summer. And then I think that Christmas is when, because I was doing that, I had more of an online following, people coming to my website, that, that that Christmas was like one of my best Christmases that I ever did. A lot of people got ornaments and stuff and um, people were home. They couldn't go out buying anything personalized for, I think I made the the year I stayed home the year we stayed home ornament like 97,000 times. That was probably like one of my best seasons that I had, but it did take a, a good solid like eight months to get there. And the process of getting things shipped out, was there a huge learning curve with something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was so much slower. I think because mm-hmm. we cause they didn't even have Amazon Prime during COVID, did they? Like I, I think that wasn't even a thing. Like you couldn't get something in two days. It was took a long. I remember like the shipping back during COVID. It took a good solid week for people to to get their stuff. Yeah, I'm sure things were delayed. Yes. So if they ordered something from you and you didn't have the product yet, then would you have to wait to get yeah. the product and then ship it out? Yeah. And yeah, that must have been a nightmare. Oh my god, it was terrible. Especially people were like not understanding that I put all of my wait times. Like it takes two to three weeks basically to get your handmade item, and if people aren't used to that wait period, then they're like, what? It's, it's been five days. Like, why don't I have my thing? And I'm like, well, it's a process. <laughs> right. I click the button. I want yeah. the instant gratification. Yeah. <laughs> so then things look like they were going great mm-hmm. and you're crushing it. Yeah. But, and I always knew who you were. I have your sign in my kitchen, but something recently that you posted mm-hmm. is what really got my attention. And I was like, we need to have her on. Yeah. Because it was so real. It was so raw. And I'm just going to read the post. This was from this past December, December 28th, 2023. And you wrote on a post. Basically, I was told earlier this year that if I showed a loss at the end of December, the IRS no longer considers my business one. After consecutive years of loss, instead, a hobby. On top of that, I racked up an incredible amount of debt, not realizing how much work and capital a retail business required. And with the loss of sales to support it, I couldn't pay for it. And then I got sued. (laughs) 
I, I never worked so fucking hard in my life for two months straight, no days off. I worked from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., going to event to event, sometimes two a day. I'm sure people looked at my calendar and thought I was trying to show off with how many events I was doing. But in reality, I was fighting. So when I saw this, I thought, grit. If I, when I saw this, I thought, if there's going to be a girl I'm going to bet on, it's going to be this girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this post because it showed your true character. It shows, like, you are willing to literally get up and just fight for your business, not make excuses, not yeah. pretend like everything's perfect. And I love this. And when I saw this, I was like, Ariel, we need to get her on immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so can you walk us through what was going on and what your mindset was at this time when everything was going well and then all of a sudden you yeah. hit another hurdle? It was, um, I think it was right after we filed taxes. So it's like a right, I don't know, like April, May timeframe. Um, and my dad and his best friend, um, who's my accountant, sat me and Dave down. He's like, we need to have a meeting in person. And I was like, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> I'm going to get grounded or something. And he was just like, um, he was like, your numbers are not good. He's like, you showed a loss last year and um, you showed it the past two years, because even though I was making a lot of sales during the COVID years and everything, I wasn't like, you know, like you, you sell a sweatshirt for $50, but you're paying $30 for it. And then once you put in the employee time, the shipping costs, the online fees, everything, it's like, you're really taking like $12 in. Um, so it might look like your business has a lot of revenue, but like what you're actually keeping and holding on to wasn't enough. Um, so he was like, you showed a loss for, for two years. If you do a third in a row, you aren't a business anymore. Your, your business is considered a hobby. And I was like, a hobby? What do you mean? He's like, cause you're not making any money. It's just something that you like to do. And I was like, oh, okay. So what do I have to do? He's like, you have to make money and you can't show a loss. I'm like, how do I do that? He's like, figure it out. I was like, how do I, what do you mean? He's like, you can't spend money. You can't buy in product this year and resell it, um, Cause I had stuff on my shelves that had been sitting there for two years and like, he's like, that's not, it's not feasible for you. Uh, so I was like, well, he's like, maybe go back to weddings. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it. There's no way he's, he's, cause that really was a lucrative business where I was just selling, I was renting everything out. So I was then having to constantly buy in and he's like, you just have to cut, cut back everything, cut your marketing down, cut, um, you know, I had two assistants at the time. He's like, cut one of those down. I stopped taking a paycheck. And I was like, kind of like down to like bare bones, just like, okay, like going through the year, like, I really don't know, like how else I'm going to do this. And that at the same time is when my business credit card debt was, was way up like $68,000. And I was carrying this balance in American Express doesn't like when you do that. So they were coming to me being like, pay your balance pay your balance. And I'm like, I can't because I still haven't figured out like, how am I going to make money without, without spending money? Um, and I was starting to do more of like my lettering events and classes, but it just wasn't enough to, to keep up. And I didn't have those online sales coming in. And it was right around, um, the time that Dave's dad passed in September and that they were like, if you don't pay us, we're going to send you to collections. And then if you don't pay them, there's going to be a lawsuit. And I was like, okay. And like everything was happening at once. And then one day I walked out of my house and I looked and I'm like, oh, what's this packet of paper? I'm like, this is interesting. And I opened up, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting sued. And I called my dad. He's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, what do I do? And he's like, you have to come up with the money. He's like, when you get sued by a credit card company, you like they want it or they're going to put a lien on your house. And I'm like, oh my God, 
like I was like, I'm going to jail. This is it. This is the end of my life. And um, luckily my dad, he isn't a practicing lawyer now, but he, I mean, he still has his license, but he's more of a life and business coach now. Um, but he was able to provide me the legal advice and kind of be my representative during all of it. Um, and what we were able to do was negotiate the debt down. Um, so they basically said, okay, you have until like December 26th to come up with $30,000 or that's it. Like there's like, you will have to owe this money. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I was like, how do I come up with 30 grand in two months? Like there's like, I've never done that. And then, um, the idea of engraving, I had been learning the engraving service and I'm like, wait, that doesn't cost me any money. So, um, I started pitching the idea out. I pitched it to the paper store and they were like, yeah, we'll hire you for our grand opening. And I was like, okay. And I had to come up with pricing. Like you said, like it's hard because that's a new, a new pricing that I've never done. So I was like, um, I just came up with an idea in my head. I was like this much per hour and they did it. And then they hired me for a bunch more, um, of their events. Cause who knew that the friggin' Stanley cup was going to be as big as it is. And then I was like, okay, like this is it. If I can do these events every weekend, then that's that's how I'll come up with the money. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, what if I don't make enough though every weekend? So I was like, I'll do it every day. And then that was like from I think November 18th. It was like the year, the date that I had my event in my garage until December 24th. I did one pop-up or lettering or engraving day. Um every single day. And then I just was banking the money. And then on like the day after Christmas, I handed my dad the check. I was like, here you go. It's done. And then he was like, yep, you, you did it. And I was like, I wanted to like throw up because I was like, I'm so tired. (laughs) That's amazing though. Like what you did, a lot of people would have just crumbled and been like, dad, like, or somebody come bail me out. Like literally, but you sat there, you put your head down. You're like, how do I figure this out? One day at a time, I'm just going to grind. I'm going to outwork. I'm going to figure it out. And I think that that's like a true shows your character and like kudos to you. Cause I don't think a lot of people would have done it the way that you did it. But going back to how you got into this kind of pickle was inventory management. So what have you learned now after living that? And obviously Hindsight's twenty twenty, so yep. you could go back and you're like, why did I do that? But you didn't know. No. Um, and and I think like a lot of businesses do put things on credit cards because it makes sense for the points. Um, but I just couldn't have predicted that like the economy was going to go where it went. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can spend 20 grand on like a Christmas launch and everything. And But 2022, I, I overspent. Like I shouldn't have been spending more than – than I did. Like I, I was predicting it was going to go up, up and up. And then it went down and I was like, Oh crap. And that's like for the Christmas 2022, I bought in way too much inventory and then none of it sold. So it was just sitting there on my shelves. And like in hindsight, like if, if something is sitting there for like two, three months and not moving, like then it, I can't do it. There's no way. Like, and I'm competing against, unfortunately, like Target and Amazon, which I could buy the same products that they buy and resell it, but I'm not getting like the volume pricing. So I have to sell it more than they do. Yeah. Um, so for the inventory, like I wish that I didn't, I, I wish I didn't buy as much as I did. Cause that's kind of what screwed me. Like all the, the credit card debt was 
was really like the working capital for me. And I shouldn't have relied on that because if, if the sales don't come in, like you still owe the money. Were you budgeting at the time, like inventory levels, like you were forecasting and you were like, we're going to need to hit this amount. So you were like looking at numbers. I was working off like 2020, 2021, which were huge Mm -hmm. spending years for people because everybody had like the, what are the, the, money that they were giving out to everyone. <laughs> like everybody had this like extra Unemployment cash and they were home <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I'm just going to, instead of, they couldn't go to Target. So they bought from me. So like then I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then 2022 wasn't so great. And I feel like in 2021 after COVID people wanted to support small businesses. Yes. So they were looking to like support and yeah. then people slowly start to forget again. Yep. They and did. So <laughs> that, that kind of hit. So it looks like when you first started, yeah. you were doing rentals and then you burned out because you wanted to be with your family and then you had to shift. Yeah. And then COVID happened. It forced another shift. Yeah. And then this happened and it forced another shift yeah. in your business. So now you went from like carrying on all this heavy inventory, which for any business, even big, like a lot of big box places go out of business because they just yeah. can't manage inventory. And so for you, I'm like, it's no surprise. Like it's so tough to do. But now you shifted to this low overhead model. Yep. And I feel like it's it's brilliant. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm just like kind of hoping that I've done like another shift and pivot because I'm just like, there's no, like I refuse to like be considered a hobby because like from the beginning, like my business has always just been me writing on something. So I'm like, I'm refuse to give that up. Like, and however, like I need to like shift and pivot and market myself differently to still have that be my name. Like I'll just keep doing it. Um, so if it means, you know, no inventory and providing a service more so than what I was doing before, like I'll shift and, and kind of regroup and remarket myself. Yeah. And now you're back into doing some weddings, but in a different way. Right. Right. Yeah. So what does that look like now? How is it different? So they kind of bring the item to me and then I'll write on it for them. Uh, they pick it up the week before the wedding. So then it's kind of like it re- reduces that, that stress for me too. Cause I'm like, well, it's there, they have it, it's theirs. And how whatever is done with it is not in my control and my worry. Yeah. And I'm sure you're not the only business owner who's gone through something like this yeah. where you're in this hole. Yeah. feels like there's no way out. Yeah. What's some advice you would give to someone who's going through something similar? Um, that, you know, it's kind of like in the, at the time, I remember around like July, August, I was like, oh my God, like there, I did not see end in sight. But then I just have had to like keep thinking like it's just temporary. Like this is just like right now. But obviously if I had like reversed 10 years ago and looked ahead, I never would have thought that my business would have grown as much as it did. So I just kept being like, there's going to be an end in sight. Like it's going to get better somehow. I just hadn't figured it out yet. Um, and just keep telling myself like, just don't give up because you have to, it'll figure it itself out or you will figure it out somehow. Yeah. And during all this time too, you're the mom of two kids. How old are your kids now? They're um, 14 and nine. Yeah. So just so much, so much craziness going on. How do you manage being a mom, going through everything you were going through at the end of this year? And like, what does it look like moving forward for you now? Like what's 2024 going to look like for you? Um, I think I've learned a lot more like of balancing uh, and like my big push to get through a lot of it was for my kids because they were seeing, I think it was like probably like towards the end of November, um, lives a teenager and she, you know, she needs rides everywhere. She wants to like do everything. And I was like 
you know, the one that was providing all the rides a lot. She's like, you're never around. Like you can never, you always say no. Like, why are you? And I was like, Lith, here's the deal. And I explained like everything. I was like, I got sued. And like, this is what happens. Like they, if you don't, you need to come up with the money. And I was like, so this is what I'm doing is I'm working and I'm not going to stop working probably for like the next like six weeks every single day. So like, I'm not like ignoring you or I'm not putting you like, you know, second place, but this is my focus right now because I don't want to lose my business. And she was just like, okay. And she got it. And even Dom, like I explained the situation to him and he got it. And then, um, I think, yeah, I think I made a TikTok or something and all of her friends follow TikTok and they were like, Liv, your mom made a TikTok and she said she got sued. What does that mean? Are you okay? And she was like, yeah, no, like, um, she did. And then that's why she worked every day. And like, she hustled and everything. And she was like, explained to them, um, then, you know, like she got through it, like, this is what she did. And I was like, that's so cool that she like understood and like had my back in that. And just to kind of like show them like, this is what you do. You don't just like give up and file bankruptcy and like, or like, you know, ask somebody else for money, which is something I easily could have done to like get out of this. It's like, no, you like put in the work and get it done. Yeah. Like such a good role model for them. Yeah. They probably don't even realize it, but when they like look back when they get older, they're going to be like, my mom was such a badass. Yeah. Like, look what she did. Like, especially when they actually see like the numbers of what you did in that one month period. Yeah. It's like crazy. Yeah. The amount of work you put in. So now that you've kind of came out of that, mm-hmm. I know it's recent. What does your everyday look? What is the day-to-day like for you guys now? Um, I've realized like, like I kind of like crashed. I got sick actually. Like Christmas day. I had, you know, that freaking cold that was going around. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, I am so burnt out. And, um, I just kind of took like the whole week to myself to just kind of like regroup. Um, and then I realized like, I love doing the events. Like I love as much as like, it was hard work. Like I love going out there and meeting new people. Cause as much as you think like, oh, I have 25,000 followers on Instagram. Like everyone must know who I am. Like they don't. There was a lot of people that I met at these events, like through the paper store and going to other small businesses that were like, oh, I have no idea who you are. Oh, I love, I've always looked for something to be personalized. And I'm like, this is how I have to do it. Like I need to get out there more and not just rely on Instagram and rely on word of mouth to get me into like the customer's lap. So I've kind of realize that like I need to find that balance of like can't be every day and it can't be every weekend but like where is that balance where I'm still going out there meeting new people and lettering for them like live in person and then but also like making time for my family because that's really the most important to me. Going forward do you have any like KPIs like key performance indicators that you're working on this year that you're like these are the targets we're going to hit or are you kind of just you more of like a feels person. You're just going with it and seeing yeah. what feels good, like more intuitive type yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like I wish I could be that person that like plans ahead and mm-hmm. budgets and you're not um, an Excel girl like me. Oh God. No. <laughs> I, well, that's why, I you're so, squirming. that's why you're so creative and you make yeah. pretty things in my, like I make everything on an Excel sheet. So. Yeah. I have my, um, my friend in my business, I call him my business manager, J- Jimmy. He owns a company called JT. 
um, SB, it's his small business helper. And what he, he is the Excel guy. Like he is like, I always make fun of him. Like, you know, like freaking the sheets, like thing. And like the Excel sheet is him. Someone just said I, that too. Somebody <laughs> sent me that mug. I need we to get that mug. We need yeah. a hand design yeah. mug. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to order that from you. Yeah, you got to get it. And he, he's a huge help. And I like recommend him to all of my friends that are like small businesses because you know, a lot of like us, we start out with a dream and a passion, but we don't have that like business sense to like be the numbers and figure it out. And like, that's him. So I rely a lot on him to like, he'll make sure like I'm paying my taxes every month and doing the sales reports. And he'll say, he'll, he'll meet with us quarterly and be like, okay, like we're here. We need, we want to be here. Here's how we get there. So like, he is that person for me. So I'm not like blindly like going ahead, like la la la. Cause like in my own world, like that's how I would be. I'd be like, well today I feel like doing this. So I'm going to do it. And when he's like, Hey, got to reel it in here and kind of make sense of it. So I'm thankful to have him. And I recommend him to all of the small businesses out there. Like if, if you are that floating in the sky person like me, like find someone like that. <laughs> that's what we always say is like, if you're not like that, like that's why we work so well. Right. Ariel yeah. works in the business and I'm like the Excel person. Yeah. I'm like, what are our KPIs? What are our attention numbers? The cost, like all that stuff. Oh yeah. But if you're not, you don't have a partner like that. You need to go find somebody. Yeah, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Yep. Yeah. Cause I was, I'm a physical therapist. So when we started talking about business plans, I was like, huh? yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. I can't just see people and hope that they come. Exactly. You know, but I think what you were saying earlier about like getting out into the community, even though you had a huge following on Instagram, like you still have to get out yeah. there and do like the dirty work of making your presence known, yep. especially for a, you know, a local business too, where people are going to be coming to your house and yes. picking things up. Yeah. So is that, you said that's something that you're going to continue with this oh, year yeah. too, doing the events? Yep. I mean, I used to do like probably one a month of like those, I called them BYOB, but it was confusing because people were like, am I supposed to bring booze? And I'm like, no, it's bring your own, is what I started was, was bring your own board. Because at the time I was only really writing on like chalkboards and signs. Then it kind of evolved where I'm like writing on more than just a, a sign. It's like a and people bring liquor bottles or whatever. So I was like, I'm just going to call them like live lettering and engraving days. So I've added like three of those a week. So it's been, it's been fun because it's, you never know what's going to walk in through the door. Um, and it's good for me because I don't have to hold on to the inventory. That's cool. And anybody can just show up. Yeah. Do you have to buy a ticket ahead of time? How would somebody, no. like if we wanted to go next week, how would we do it? Um, I have a new website coming out probably this week. I'm hoping for, um, that's going to explain a lot more of it too, but I have a calendar where people can RSVP to the different events. So I keep, I'm hoping to um, keep adding more in studio and then also like out in the wild days where I'm going to small businesses, big businesses, whatever it is, and um, doing the lettering and engraving there, which was cool because, you know, I bring my clients, people that follow me to them and in turn they do the same and it's a great way to like network with people. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. How do you charge for like the events and stuff at your house? Is it like you charge to get walked in the door or do you like charge per? Per item. So if I brought my freak in the sheets mug and I yeah. want my name on it, yep. I could charge for that. Yeah. Okay. And I'll have um, like I have a list in there in the studio when people come in. So they're not like, how much is this going to cost? Like there's a whole menu of what they're looking at. It's obviously a different cost for me to engrave versus to write on something. Um, and then I'll, I'll obviously I'll have that on my new website too. So people can plan ahead and budget. Nice. And it seems like you've really learned 
the business side. Like even if you yeah. didn't know it going in, now yep. you're super confident with your pricing. Now you have your everything broken out. Your website yeah. is super clean. It's beautiful. Yep. The website. That's oh, exciting for you. new things coming on it too. But yep. you can learn all of these things if you don't have the business background. Oh, definitely. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be charging $100 for a seating chart. <laughs> I really missed out on that. Yeah. <laughs> so we like to end every interview with our fast five. So just five quick questions. Yep. What's one non-negotiable thing that you do every single day? Um, make time for myself. I've learned that like in order to have a clear head going forward, I, I've scheduled an hour where I just like sit in my house with coffee and just like be in silence. It's like right after I drop the kids off at school and it's just like I need to like, I guess it's called meditating, although I don't think I'm doing it the right way, <laughs> but just kind of like give myself time to just kind of regroup. And what's one bucket list place you'd like to travel to? Dubai. <laughs> uh, no, that's Dom's. I I um, want to go to Italy really bad. What's the best or worst piece of business advice you've ever been given? The worst advice? Put everything on a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best is... Um, I don't know what the best advice is. I feel like the best advice for me was just like figuring it out and like realizing that, that you can do it, that you just have to put in the hard work. And what are three traits that you think every entrepreneur ha- needs to have? Determination, faith, and hustle. And if you could go back right to 2020, so right when you were hearing that all of these weddings were being canceled yep. and give yourself one piece of advice at that time, what would it be? That there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there's always like another side you're going to come out of on top and that everything's temporary. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can place their orders, how they can schedule with you? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Antea Imoroso. Um, there is a link in my bio that links to everything that you would need. My website is AnteaImorosoDesign.com. In between those two places, you can find um, things that you want to have personalized and, and lettered or um, where I will be live lettering that you can bring your item to. And you guys know where to find us. We're businessmusclepodcast.com at businessmusclepodcast on Instagram. And I'm Dr. Ariel.dpt. And I'm Elise Kyra. We will see you guys next week. You just finished another episode of the Business Muscle Podcast. If you found value in this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews mean the world to us and help us reach other listeners who can make a big impact in the business world. Don't forget to join our Business Muscle Podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and chat with other like-minded entrepreneurs. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll bring you more expert advice and practical strategies to help you thrive. Thank you for being a part of the Business Muscle community and we'll catch you in the next episode.